If you're like most men in our audience, you're committed to becoming the man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be. But the truth of the matter is, you struggle with either finding the time or knowing where to start. That's exactly why I created the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint to give you a step-by-step, easy-to-follow guide to spiritually leading your family, even if you're a new believer. Now, you can't buy the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, but you can get it for free by signing up for our free e-newsletter. By signing up, you will be notified anytime fresh content is added to my site, so you don't always have to visit my blog to stay up-to-date on the latest information. Now, to get your free copy of the Real Men Spiritual Leader Blueprint, just visit realmenconnect.com and simply enter your name and email address on the form on the page. So if you're tired of trying to figure it all out and fit it all in as the spiritual leader, provider, and protector of your family, don't miss your chance to discover how to be the man God called and created you to be. Sign up today at realmenconnect.com. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us our guest, Jarek Robbins, who is the author of the number one best-selling book, Live It, Achieve Success by Living with Purpose. And Jarek has over a decade of performance coaching experience, and he works with businesses as well as individuals on unlocking secrets to maximizing performance and organizational success. Not only 23 years old, Jarek was awarded the Congressional Award from the United States Congress. He has conducted training for a variety of companies and organizations, including Harvard University, United States Marines, United States Air Force Special Forces, UBS, BMW, Remax, Major League Baseball teams, and members of the U.S. Olympic team. And as an innovator, Jerry is applying his own philosophy in living a life of adventure, philanthropy, as well as entrepreneurship. And Jerry was invited on the show today to talk to us about spiritual health or what he likes to call spiritual fitness. So please join me in welcoming Jerry Robbins to the Real Men Connect podcast. Thanks for joining us, Jerry. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for sharing a little bit of life and hopefully a lot of bit of love together. Well, well, we're hoping so, man. That's the, that's the, um, the plan. And thank you, Jared, for taking so some time out of your busy schedule, which I know you're busy, man, for joining us on the show today. And I'm excited about talking to you. So we're going to jump right in it. And Jared, what we always do when men come on our show, we ask them to share with us their favorite Bible verse that gives them inspiration from the Word of God. What happens to be your anchor verse in this season in your life? Um, I think Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in uh, about what we do not see. I think the ability to, to hold faith in, in so many different things, and regardless of, of where you are, what you're going through, the only difference between fear and faith is the directed mind. And, and so often people fall into fear 
which means they allow their mind to become, uh, you know, chaotic and go after every possibility, the good stuff and especially the bad stuff, which creates fear and uncertainty and, and, and it causes people to get shaken up on the inside. And when you find your way back to faith, you, you have that ability where you direct your mind at, at things that have not happened yet, but you, you find certainty in, in faith knowing that they will. And it's the concept of, you know, directing it and, and holding strong and, and really finding that faith underneath all that you do, knowing that it's going to work out eventually, as long as you keep moving forward, as long as you stay focused, and, and as long as you keep doing your work every day, it's going to add up. Fantastic. I, I love that. And that's Hebrews 11. 1. Now, now, Jared, everybody has a story. We all have a story. And I usually when we pursue something and that we're passionate about our purpose, I, I tell people it either comes out of um, our misery. <laughs> um, it could be our mistakes or even a miracle that's happened to us. But I want to go back and then just hear a little bit about your story. So we can give this topic of spiritual health and spiritual fitness some context. Tell us about your journey um, before you got to writing this book and before you got about talking about this topic. Tell us about Jarek when he was young growing up, man. Sure. What would you like to know? There's all <laughs> kinds of stuff that went on. I give, us the ESPN, give us the ESPN I like, highlights, man. Um, ESPN I, I call highlights. it the, yeah, I call it the, um, the struggles and the scars and what you learned from them kind of thing. <laughs> okay. I'll give you the silly stuff. When I, when I was in middle school, I was obsessed with basketball so much so. I remember, I think it was 9.30 on a Friday night. Some girl called me and said, hey, do you want to come out and go to a party? And I literally looked at the phone and said, are you crazy? I have basketball in the morning and hung up. And so <laughs> I, I could say that was a start to a really interesting phase of life. I was obsessed with basketball, eventually football and wrestling, um, all, all, all the different things, just testing who I was and, and learning who I was on the field and off the field and on the court and off the court and on the mat and off the mat. And and all these things started to develop who I was. If, if you want to go back to, to the, the space of spirituality in my life, you know, I, I grew up um, – I never intended this, but I realized afterwards I spent more of my life going to schools that had a religious connection to them than I even realized. My very, very first school when I was little um, was a, a private Catholic school just outside of Los Angeles. And it was interesting. We went to church every morning. My grandpa used to sing Bible, you know, he's he's very much Christian, and he used to sing with us uh, Bible songs on the way to church every morning. Uh, we used to talk about the Bible and talk about God and talk about Jesus, and it was amazing. And I, I grew up thoroughly having that threaded all throughout my life when I was very young. Went to Awanas, learned Bible verses, the whole spiel. And it, it was awesome, and I, I didn't realize how much a role that played in my life because it just seemed normal. It was just part of everything. Um, moving forward, I, I remember... I landed up going to public high school for a while. Then then when I got to college, just the school that called to me, and I landed up going to University of San Diego, which was ironic because it was a, a small Catholic college as well. And I was like, wow. And I wasn't Catholic. I, I just it, – it, it, it threaded its way back into my life. Um, now, one of my favorite classes that I took there that was really interesting was it was a required class that everyone must take at that university, which was called World Religions. And it was probably one of my favorite classes. It was ironically taught by a Buddhist monk at a Catholic university. <laughs> and it was teaching us about all the different major tenets of the, of the major world religions. And what was fascinating was it was one of the first times that I, I found so much more respect and so much more connection to all the different faiths. Because they, what they required us to do is not only understand the major tenets, but then to go sit in a service or two of each of the ones we were studying and just observe. And and what was so beautiful about it 
was there was a thread that everyone there was just like me and everyone there was using what they were learning in faith to find a way back to, to a really beautiful place. Now there's some things that don't align. That was interesting. And it was interesting to become aware of what they are instead of just have a judgment or an outside opinion. And then it was interesting to know why those are important to that person. And as, as someone who studied human psychology, I was like, wow, no wonder people think like this. No wonder people act like that. That makes so much sense why this is important or not important. And, and, and those are some beautiful things that really helped shape my understanding. Um, the other piece that really threaded in there that was an, another alignment with this was, and it, it was a trip called Semester at Sea, where we did a hundred about that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred days. It's a lap around the world on a cruise ship. All the professors are on board. So we go to class every day while we're at sea. And then when we get to country, we get to go inside and look at everything we've been learning firsthand face to face with people in that part of the world. So you learn about a collectivist society and then you land in China and you walk around and go, whoa, people really are like this here. This is amazing. You, you learn about an individualistic society where people want to stand out and be different. And you, you land in, in you know, East Africa and you go, wow, this is really how it is. Yeah, this is pretty cool. And, and then you learn about the way people connect with each other, the way people communicate with each other, values, what's important, what's different. And, and it's wild as you interweave between all the different countries around the world. Uh, it was the first time I, I, be, I became a citizen of the world instead of just a citizen of my city or country. And, and it was like, wow, this is cool. And, and so if you fast forward from there, um, there was some time where you know, I, I grew up believing in helping people in need. Uh, I, I think it's ironic that people use the pressures of today to ignore the foundational elements of what we've been taught for so long in our life. There was a research study done, I believe it was at Harvard, where they had the the seminary um, students who were practicing and, and learning, um, they, they gave them a task, which was go across campus and, you know, in the chapel, go and give the speech or, or go give the presentation on the Good Samaritan who stops and helps the person in the other side of the road. I'm sure you've heard it before. Uh, but the only thing they said different to the two groups was, one, you're late, hurry up. And the other one, you know, go on your way. And the one who went on their way, they all stopped and helped the person in need who was on the steps of the chapel where they were giving the speech about the Good Samaritan. And, and the ones who were told they were late stepped directly over the person in need to go into the church to give the speech on helping people in need. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> and, and it's just a common excuse we use in our own minds where we tell ourselves, oh, I have so much going on right now, I don't have time to help the person next to me. Oh, I have so much going on in my life, I have so many problems or challenges that we start to get caught up in that fear, like I mentioned before, we get caught up into the distractions instead of saying, hey, where's my faith that it's going to work out for me? And to take time from my fellow human, my brother, my, my sister, the person in need right now, and really show up for them. And, and what's wild is we allow those thoughts to overwhelm us and distract us from doing the work we know that needs to be done. And on that trip, I saw people in need over in East Africa in a way that I've never seen before. People where it doesn't matter how smart you are, how hard you work, how much love you have for the ones around you, it doesn't matter how much you do, there's no, there's no resources there. You have to walk over a mile to fill up a jug with water to walk home, to boil it on an open fire, to then wait for it to cool, to pour it into a cup, to finally have a drink of water. Like, but that's a process for one cup of water. And if a bug lands in it, you got to boil it again. You know, there, there's no, there's no toilets. There's no plumbing. There's no piping system there. Like there's a giant latrine dug 
that goes very deep with a piece of cement over it that's a hole drilled in it and you got to do your best to aim right and and do your business and it's like whoa and you can imagine all the stuff that's gathering in there bacteria wise and disease that floats out into the community and water it's 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 a tough place and you know people live in in houses that are made literally out of mud bricks and and just mud with thatch roofs and and they sleep on the dirt and then it's rainy season so many six months out of the year and they sleep in mud all around it's it's crazy and i saw stuff like this but then i still saw people treating each other with love and caring about each other and talking to each other and talking to each other more than people did back home caring about each other more seemingly than people did back home i was like that's weird and i was like you know there's something that's calling me to go help so I said, I'm going to do it. So I, I set a prayer, I locked down my plan, and I moved to a village in, in, in East Africa, in, in Uganda, just outside of the city of Jinja. I was in a rural farming village for a few months, teaching organic farming and, and helping people out. And it was one of those life-changing experiences where there's no running water, no electricity, no toilets, just the basic, 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 simple elements of life. And my, I had two thoughts. One, I really wanted to help. Two, my thought was, we're not guaranteed in the U.S. or wherever you're listening from, we're not guaranteed that everything's going to be peachy moving forward. There's going to be times when stuff falls apart. You know, there was times not too long ago in the U.S. history where grown men would wait a whole day in line to have the opportunity to put in an hour or two of work. Just enough pennies to buy a loaf of bread to give their kids something to eat that night. That's real life. That, that's real life. You know, Jerry, what I'm hearing from what I'm hearing from you is that not only do, you know you were brought up in a, at least in a, a culture and environment where um, you heard the gospel and you read the gospel, but as you actually got out there and experienced life, you started living the gospel, and that seemed to make all the difference. Now, I, I want to know how do you go from now from because it seems like me that will probably be your life's work of doing that, but then this topic of of spiritual health and spiritual fitness. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that. How did that become um, a focus for you or something that you wanted wanted to address with people? So I'll give you a funny lesson I learned. From that village, learning what it takes to fall in love with life at the simplest form, just living, just, just with each other, just finding food each day, just finding water each day, just staying alive and taking care of the ones around you. Um, in, in all honesty, I'm, I'm going to throw something in here because it, it's something I saw that it was just done wrong. Great intentions done wrong, and then I'm going to wrap it into how and what it is we're focused on now. Uh, I remember one morning I woke up, and I lived about 100 yards away from a clinic, just a little like village hospital clinic that was there. And over the megaphone, there was a wonderful intentioned group that had shown up and brought uh, vaccinations from, from the U.S., and they were a Christian group. And over the megaphone, I heard, come and accept Christ, and we will give you a vaccination. And I, I, I just about fell out of the hospital cot I was sleeping on. I said, people are telling you, come and do something that I want you to do first, and then I'll give you something to save your life. And I just tilted my head and I said, these people have the best intentions in the world. I do not doubt that. I know they're here for good. 
But, oh, man, human beings screw this stuff up sometimes. <laughs> I was like, that's not the way to love on people. Come here and help everybody. And when they say, how come you showed up and helped? Say, you know, I believe in, in God and God says do good things to others and that's why I showed up and helped. And they go, wow, I want some of that in my life. And then share it with them. And and don't get me wrong, that's that's not God messing up. That's us humans messing up. And we do that sometimes. But I just remember seeing stuff like that. And, and thinking, how do I do it right? Because as much as I wanted to get everyone involved and get people helping and making a difference, and this is what I, I, I was bent on this when I came home. I was going to convince every single person I ever crossed paths with back home that they needed to volunteer more, they needed to help more, they needed to travel more, they needed to give more. And I came home and I was bent to convince everyone they needed to get involved because I knew what it would do for them in their life. And, and so when I came home, I was on a mission to convince everybody. And what I noticed is most people didn't care. Not all of them, most of them. They were more concerned with what pair of Uggs they were going to buy, more concerned with what happened on their TV show last night, more concerned with who they were trying to date or what party they were trying to go to. I was still in college at this time in my life. And, and I just noticed they didn't care. And so wrapping it around to how I came into what I'm doing now, I realized something. And the realization was, if I can, instead of trying to convince them that they shouldn't be interested in the stuff they're interested in and instead should come listen to me so I could show them how to align their life with, with what I've learned growing up and what I believe is true and what really truly could help them in a beautiful way, when, when that kind of conversation would happen, when those things would start to occur, what landed up happening um, – so, so – what, what landed up happening that was interesting was I figured out if I could help them achieve the results they were going after, then all of a sudden they would listen. If I could help someone be the happiest, healthiest, strongest, most fulfilled version of themselves, all of a sudden they go, man, I feel great. How do, how do we do this? And I say, oh, let me show you. And instead of preaching to them, I show them, like you said, with actions. I allow my feet to do the walking and people see it. We'll see what we do. And then what lands up happening is and don't get me wrong people need to preach to them they need to hear it <laughs> but but my, my greatest strength isn't preaching to them in that way my greatest strength is them allowing their eyeballs to watch my feet move and go wow how do i get more of that how do i experience that and by showing them by getting them to tangibly experience it more and more all of a sudden it comes in and you know we've also done our own in insight and research where we gather research that brings science into this. So they say, listen, you know, for the groups that believe and they have faith and they're already on board, awesome. We'll show you what to do to be even better as a human being and to experience as, as much as you can of what you're capable of. For people who aren't on board and they believe in science, they believe in other stuff, which is all wonderful, we'll show them, reverse engineer it, how science shows them, hey, if you volunteer, it's, it's better for your health. It improves your happiness, improves your outlook on life, improves your overall satisfaction with life. We'll show them that way too. And, and what I've learned is if we can learn to use all roads to still get to that same place, eventually people land up once they really, truly happy, healthy, strong, fulfilled, they open up and then they want to give and they want to help and they want to serve. You know, Jerry, what you're bringing up is very, very interesting because it's kind of counterintuitive of how we, quote, get the gospel out there. But I love what you're saying because it goes back to what Zig Ziglar used to say, that if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want kind of thing. And I can imagine right now, especially if there we got a lot of people who are business leaders, um, we got entrepreneurs, but we also got a lot of ministry leaders and pastors who listen to the show. And if they take what you just said, and because it makes perfect sense, that what if we... 
got to show them they can get what they want, that we can give people what they need. You know, if they can get them into the process of getting some of the things that they want and deal with their own stuff and that now they'll be more inclined to say, wow, I feel good doing this for other people now. So I, I love that that approach to it. Now, let me jump right into because This is a great segue into your topic because you use the word spiritual fitness and we've heard spiritual health. Um, I even have something on our website that and people look at me like I'm crazy called the spiritual man checkup. And I say that every man should do a spiritual man checkup to see if he's in a healthy place relationally when it comes to walking this Christian life. So that's one reason I was excited about bringing you on the show, because I love to learn from other people um, because I don't usually hear this topic talked about a lot about spiritual health and spiritual fitness. So give, give us some context for describe or define what you mean by being spiritually healthy. Um, so, so spiritually healthy to me, I mean, if you take time and you sit down and, and you get quiet for a while and, and I found this through different practices and stuff I've learned all over the world, but, but there's something, you know, it's, it's just as simple as a silent retreat and it, it's a retreat to get to know yourself and, and get to know how, how spiritually healthy you really are and how mentally healthy you really are and how emotional healthy you really are. And all it means is take time where you might spend and start off with maybe like, when I did it, it was two and a half days. Sat down and for two and a half days, total silence. No books, no radio, no songs, no music, no talking, just being. And, and the first thing that happens is you hear all the clutter that's gotten its way into your mind. All the thoughts, all the, did I check up on that? What did they say? Why did they say that? Why would you do that? You know, why, I'll pray for them. Like all the thoughts that just go through your head. The second layer that happens is eventually after about a day or so, you start just observing things, but your brain still calls it out. Hey, that's a butterfly. It's pretty when it flies. <laughs> look at that. Wow, look at the bird go. It's, isn't it interesting how the wind blows through the leaves? You just start calling random stuff out, and it's just statements. But then after about two days, that last half day, you hit a place of just silence where nothing exists except for you. And, and at that point, you can start to listen and hear. And, and, you know, in that moment, it's the place that people look for when, the, when they're in prayer. It's the ability to be still and listen and really hear what, what God's speaking into your life. Now, Jerry, you said two and a half days. Most people can't go two and a half minutes in silence without doing something or interrupting their thought pattern. How do you, doesn't that require discipline to be able to do that for two and a half days? It does, just like physical fasting or food fasting requires discipline to do it for two and a half days or three days or four days. But science shows you, it'll reboot your entire immune system if you do it. So did you, start, did you start out with two and a half days or did you kind of build up to two and a half days? <laughs> no, I started with two and a half days. Wow. That's not the hard part. I have friends that have done this for 30 days. Really? They said it was the scariest, hardest, craziest, and most fulfilling thing they've ever done in their life. Now, when we're talking and when we talk about two and a half days, obviously it's time for you to eat and all this. How much time are we talking about in chunks? Are you spending in silence? Because I I love the the idea and I want to do it myself. But what what kind of time block practically are we talking about? I mean, you get up at six in the morning. You can do some stretching. You know, you can you can go for a walk. That's fine. You just don't communicate. You don't talk with people. You don't listen to people. You don't. You, you can still be physically moving around. You don't have to just sit somewhere still the whole time. But as you're moving, as you're going around, you're just not talking. You're not looking at people and making gestures. You're not trying to do anything. You're just spending time in silence. You're not reading. There's nothing there to distract you. 
And what happens is you have to then go inside and you have to listen and you have to observe and you have to acknowledge all that's going on in there. And this is what most people are really scared of. And, and most people are, are you know, unhealthy in this capacity because they have so much clutter, so many thoughts, so many random feelings, so many emotions and stuff going through their head constantly. This is why most people run from it. Most people look for distractions because they're very uncomfortable being with themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Most people turn on the TV, read a book, listen to music, call a friend, strike up a conversation. I was talking to someone yesterday. They said most people are uncomfortable going out to lunch by themselves. I mean, to go to a restaurant, a public place with a lot of people, to sit there just by yourself and eat? Oh <laughs> God, God forbid. <laughs> and, 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 and most people are because they're uncomfortable being in their own presence. And, you know, if, if God made you perfect in his image and, and he created you in his presence, why aren't you comfortable in your presence? It's the image of God. It's the creation from above. That thought process, if you can find yourself and be comfortable with yourself, it's getting comfortable with yourself and it's eventually getting comfortable with God's creation, which you know, is you. There's a book. I wish I remember the author's name, but um, the book is called um, Leading on Empty. I don't know if you've read or heard about it, but he was talking about this same type of concept. And he said there's a difference between seclusion and isolation. He says that what you're talking about, he's saying we should live that kind. We should go into seclusion where we're not communicating. He says isolation is when you're trying to avoid people. <laughs> but seclusion, when you're going inside to say, you know what, I need to get the clutter out, get the distraction, kill the noise and just get you know, into, you know, just listening and see people think I'm crazy because I love being by myself to think, to think without distractions. And some people think I'm being antisocial, but that's how I get revived and I get re-energized. And that's what it seems like you're saying right now that we need to do this work so we can do the outward work. We got to do the inward work first. That's right. That's right. You got to cleanse it out. And this is, this is, you know, you can look at it maybe once a year, spend a week in silence, but once a day, at least been 15 minutes, at least been 10 minutes. Now, I've learned how to convince people to do this by showing them, again, all the life benefits they get. I can pull up all the science that says if you meditate for 10 minutes a day, uh, you're, you're healthier, happier, stronger, more fulfilled, all this stuff. I, I can show them, you know, I have a client who used to train the snipers for the Navy SEALs in the U.S. Uh, Navy. And, and, you know, in, in his concept, there's two things you got to train these people how to do. Number one, stay laser focused on the task at hand. Number two, stay aware of all the chaos going around you, which is absolutely true. Because if you're not laser focused, you take out the wrong person, someone dies. If you're not aware of the task of the chaos around you, someone sneaks up on you in your purse and takes you out, you're dead. And, and so you have to be able to do both. As a business owner, if you're not aware of uh, you know all the chaos around you, something will take out your business that day. If you're not laser focused on the task at hand, you can't be effective or get anything done. As a parent, a mother in the household, if you're not aware of the chaos around you, your kid will burn the house down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you're not laser focused, you ain't going to get anything done that day. So it, it, it's everywhere that it's needed. But what's funny is the underlying truth about it, it comes back to that spiritual fitness, which is the ability to declutter your mind and stay very present in the moment at hand. To allow yourself to be long enough that you can hear what God's really saying to you. I just found different ways to dress it up to get it in the people's world that they go, well, shoot, that makes sense. Yeah, but we always talk about, man, I'm not hearing from God. Well, you got to be quiet to be able to hear from him. you got to be able to well, listen to him I can hear from place. him. You're yeah. replaying five episodes of something in your head all day. <laughs> exactly. exactly. He knocked at the door. You couldn't hear it because the radio was too loud in your head. 
So now we hear that silence is a, a key step um, into spiritual fitness and spiritual health. What are some other steps, Derek, that you recommend for we become spiritually healthy and stronger? Sure. So I, I think it's the step that you got to empty stuff out. So I believe in the concept of tabula rasa, clean slate. So it's cleaning the slate, getting rid of all the stuff. I use a soda can analogy for this. I don't drink pop, but if I did, here's the analogy. You take the can, you crack it open, you pour three quarters of it out, you have a quarter left, and, and then the next day starts. And 24 hours goes by, the next day you pick up the can and you, you accidentally drink some of that. It's disgusting. A day-old soda sitting out, oh, ugh. But that's what most of us do mentally and emotionally. Hopefully, you start out full each day. Throughout the day, you use up a lot of thoughts and emotions and energy. You've got this empty space. you got a little bit of stuff left over from yesterday. And instead of first cleaning it out and then refueling with what we need for the day, we just go into the next day with whatever we had left over from yesterday floating around in our mind, yeah, body, and the truth. Mind. Yeah, yeah. And so the first key of the day is that silence. There's other ways to get here, and I'll tell you them as well, things that can help you stay there. Uh, something like a three-minute ice-cold shower. Turn it, Just turn on the cold. That's it. Don't touch the warm, just the cold. Get in there and breathe for three minutes. You'll have 30 seconds of shock, and then you'll breathe your way through it. And <laughs> two and a half minutes ain't that bad. It's still bad, but not that bad. And then all of a sudden, you'll come out, and you will be completely cleansed of yesterday. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> there is not a thought in your mind or body at that point, except for, oh, <laughs> you've got going on in your head. <laughs> but you cleanse it out. There's nothing left. Um, you can do it in silence for, for 10 minutes and, and you know meditate or focus or, or, or just pray and then leave space of 10 minutes of silence to, to, to allow that space to exist. But you cleanse out yesterday. But then the next step is, well, wait a minute. If we took the can and it was just cleansed out of yesterday and it was empty or even three quarters full, you give that can to a small child, that, that child can dent it, if not crush it. Now you take the same can. You fill it all the way to the top, and then you pressurize it and pressure seal it, hand it back to that child. The child doesn't have a chance at denting or crushing that can with its own body weight or hands. And what's that mean to your world as a human? How do you fill up and fuel up for your day? What does your routine look like in the morning so that you're mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually filled to the brim? And then how do you pressure seal it? For most of us here listening on, in, in this capacity, it's, it's going to be a prayer. Your prayer and your physical workout is going to be your pressure seal that allows you to become mentally, emotionally, and spiritually resilient and resistant against all the pressures that's life going to put on you throughout the day. And so, you got to figure out what does that first hour of your day look like where you know, you hit that three-minute ice-cold shower, you, you physically get your body warmed up and, and moving, you get your mind warmed up and moving, you get your spirit warmed up and moving. That's prayer, exercise, meditation, That that's connecting with someone you really love and care about and flooding all the, the gratitude and appreciation for who they are and what they do with you and for you all day long. One of my favorite things in the morning is telling my wife how much I love her and how much I appreciate Every single thing, the little stuff especially that she's done in the past 24 hours or, or lifetime together. I appreciate you taking time to make food for us every day. I appreciate you take time to work so hard on your businesses and do all the magic you do. I appreciate you take time to love on me so much. I appreciate you, you took time to wipe, wipe the counter last night. I saw that and I appreciate it. And just flood her with all the appreciation to get that tilted in our favor. Because every one of these little categories, whether it's your nutrition you know, your physical exercise, your movement, your mindfulness, all these things to me are spiritual fitness. 
Because if God blessed you with the ability to have these things, they're a spiritual element of your life. And if they're a spiritual element of your life and you're not taking care of them, it's nothing more than a slap in the face of God, which it's horrible to say, but it's true. You know, someone who doesn't take care of themselves physically is is taking a gift they were given called their health and their body and saying, oh, no, thanks. I'm going to put all kinds of junk in it and let it deteriorate. That's not cool. <laughs> you were given a gift. Take care of it. You know, that's like someone buy you a brand new car and, and, and you just let the tires pop, let rust get on it, don't even clean it. That's horrible. You'd never do that. Someone bought you a brand new fancy car, you'd sit out there and polish that thing every day. Make sure it runs great. Tune up the engine. Take it for a wash. Do the same thing with your mind and body. Take care of yourself. You know, what about your relationships? The ability to share something with another human being. All the research shows, you know, there's people who studied actual relationships for 3,000 couples for 30 years of research to figure out what makes them work. And they found seven consistent things. You do these seven things, they work. You mess up these seven things, they fall apart. <laughs> it's like, well, it's that easy. Okay, what are the seven things? And you know, if you if you Google Gottman, uh, what is it? John Gottman. Um, it, it, it's a couple who did thirty years of research, and they broke it down into this little house, and it has seven things you can do every day with your spouse and have this amazing relationship. And it's proven over time that it just works. It's like, wow. And, and if you go through every category of life, this exists there, and it's amazing. I, I, you know, my, my thought of that spiritual health and fitness is really rating through each category of life. Like you mentioned, is, is, I believe you said it's on your website. Yeah, um, spiritual checkup, yeah. And checking in each category of life, figuring out where you're really strong right now, figuring out where you need improvement, putting together an actual plan to make it happen. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I, I was at a conference. I think, I think it was Ken Blanchard. It was a speaker, a beautiful man. He was speaking, and he said, you know, he was telling a story, and he said, this person kept praying every day, please, God, please help me, please help me, please help me. And eventually, at the very, very end of the story, I'm, I'm skipping a whole big important part of the story that I don't remember, <laughs> but at the very end, he was like, God, why didn't you help me? And God was like... I gave you everything you needed. I gave you the skill set to do it. I gave you the will and determination to make it happen. I gave you the persistence and resilience to fight through the challenges. But you never did anything except for sat there and prayed the whole time. And that's a good first step. But you got to apply yourself. And I think the same thing goes with, with spiritual fitness and mental fitness, emotional fitness, relationship fitness, all these categories. It is, it's there. We've been blessed with the information and the insights and the technology and, and the knowledge and the know-how. What it takes now is really digging deep and finding, you know, that that connection to say, hey, I'm willing to put in the effort every day and do the work to build the habits to actually get the results. Yeah, I know when I got into men's ministry and did it, start doing it full time, I thought, well, men, we're lacking information. And I said, well, if I can provide them with the information, everything should be fine. Then I realized they're still struggling with the information. I said, oh, they're just lacking instruction. They need to know how to apply it, how to do it. And then I realized they were still struggling. I said, what's going on? I said, oh, I see they're lacking implementation. <laughs> and so That's you right. got to take the information as well as the instruction and you have to imp you, know, you have to uh, apply it and implement the strategies. So I, I love what you what you're sharing with us. And, and I think it's going to bless a lot of men, Jerry. This is this is awesome. It happened a lot when I went to small group. It would drive me nuts because the end result of someone saying, here's what I'm struggled with was don't worry, brother, we'll pray for you. Yeah. 
And I was like, that's a good <laughs> that's first great. step. <laughs> I want an action step <laughs> yeah. of what you're going to do, I do next? here <laughs> to make sure that's not the same case next week when we meet. <laughs> Absolutely. I can imagine going to my wife. People, my wife, if she's complaining, look, Joe, you're not loving me. I said, baby, I'm going to love you. She said, how are you going to do I'm going to pray on it. I want to see how long that lasts. <laughs> it's a good first step. That's right. It's a needed first step. It's a proper first step, but it's a first step. It's just a first step. Absolutely. I, I need steps you know, two through seven to follow up with this or two and three and four, or at least two, you know, the next application of it. And and that's something that I was always excited about. And going back to small group, I remember, I think I went to three or four in a row where I just kept hearing everyone pray on it. And then they'd come back and have the same problem next week. And after about three of them, I was like, okay, guys, I'm not new anymore. <laughs> I've been here enough to realize how this is going. <laughs> We're going to start with what y'all are doing. I think it's a beautiful first step. It's working. It's helping. And I asked the guy, is it helping that everyone prays? He goes, oh my gosh, it's helping so much. I said, perfect. Now, if I could offer something, and they're like, okay. And I said, here's what I'm going to offer. Can I give you one new habit to do every day so that by the time we meet seven days from now, this will not be an issue in your life anymore? Will you allow God to speak through me and give you a habit that you can do to get the result you want so you can stop having to be frustrated with it? And, and I was like, it's okay if you say no. If, if that's what God's telling you to do, then hey, maybe there's a lesson in here God's trying to teach you. That's cool too. But if God's really saying it's time to change this, let's figure out what's necessary for you to physically show up and do in the world to make sure it's no longer an issue. Absolutely. And, and I'm glad and, and you say that. And it works. Well said. It worked for some of them and it didn't work for others. That's okay. They had a lesson they had to learn there. God was going to circulate another lesson again and again until they learned it. And that was theirs to learn. I'm not there to fix anybody. I'm just there to help. If, if there's a next step needed and I've been blessed to know what it is that can help with the next step, I'm certainly going to share. Absolutely. Well said, Jerry. You know, we're running short on time and I know you you have a, a tight schedule, but I would not let you get out of here without um, having you go through our infamous man up questions. <laughs> and Jerry, it's about that time for the, uh, the show when we do this. And it's basically five questions I'm going to ask you, starting with the letters M-A-N-U-P. And all they do is require your fearless honesty um, and transparency, which you won't have a problem with at all, Jerry. So my question to you is, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. And we'll come right back after this short break to talk to my guest, Jarek Robbins. Hey, Mighty Warrior. You know, the great John Wesley once said that if you give him 300 men who fear nothing but God, hate nothing but sin, and are determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ crucified, he said he would set the world on fire. Do you know that one quote changed my life? Because after hearing it, God immediately gave me a vision to build a team of 300 men who would change the world for Christ. But I didn't realize it at the time that a man is the hardest thing to reach. And if you don't believe me, just ask any pastor or men's ministry leader or even a wife. <laughs> now, due to the success of our Real Men Connect podcast, we've managed to reach and teach men all over the world in 43 countries in Steele County. But John Wesley knew when he spoke those famous words, just like Jesus did, that there's a huge difference between attracting a passive crowd of men and recruiting a committed team of men. So we decided to launch the Real Men 300. The Real Men 300 is an opportunity for you to join an exclusive team of men who've agreed to financially partner with Real Men Connect to be personally mentored, supported, and coached so they can be professionally trained and equipped to mentor, support, and disciple the next generation of men for Christ. So we want to personally help you grow in Christ while you're supporting us in ministry. We're a nonprofit organization and we rely heavily on your financial support. So we're asking you to consider partnering with us by giving at least $30 a month, that's only a dollar a day, to help us help you be the man God called and created you to be. 
To give or to find out more, just go to realmen300.com. That's realmen300.com and join the 300 today. Welcome back, Mighty Men of God, and I'm with my guest, Jarek Robbins, who's the author of the best-selling book, Live It, Achieve Success by Living with Purpose, and he's been talking to us today about our spiritual health and spiritually being fit, spiritual fitness, and he's agreed to take on the man-up questions, and I can't wait to ask him these questions and get a little, dig a little bit into um, Jarek's personal life when it comes to applying these principles that he's been teaching us today. And Jarek, the first letter starts with M, and it stands for mistake. Now, when it comes to your spiritual health and spiritual fitness, what has been the biggest mistake that you've learned from? Biggest mistake that I've learned from in spiritual fitness, probably getting getting caught up in, you know, a lot of the stuff when I came back from that trip and I was trying to help other people with, before I left on that trip, I was caught up in the same stuff. I remember just to tell you a, a two-second story, when I was in high school, um, going to public high school, and I wasn't going to church every morning or chapel every morning like we used to. wasn't doing these little rituals and rhythms I, I grew up with when I was really young. But I was watching MTV music videos every morning. And I remember okay. in, in high school, the cool music video at the time that was on every morning right when I was getting ready was Puff Daddy and Biggie Smalls hypnotized. <laughs> yeah. I the coolest thing in the world. I'm like yachts and cars and girls and helicopters and, and motorcycles. Like, man, I'm going to grow up and be like that. And, and I had this thing. And, and I think... You know, the big hiccup was getting so consumed with that to then fast forward being in a place where I went around the world and realized, you know, most people are struggling to find food and water every day, but then be able to physically go there and help. And then fast forward, coming from a place of of truly just trying to help other people allowed me to build the type of business where I have the opportunity to access all that stuff that's in the music video, but it's not really what's most important. You know, having the opportunity to sit down with someone and care for them or hear them or help them or feed them or love on them or wash their feet is, is the beauty that showed up. And I think the mistake was, and I can't say it was a mistake because it led me to who I am today, but but if I were to call out a mistake, it was getting so caught up in the stuff way back when, realizing I lost those few years where I was consumed by that when I could have been really serving and helping. Right, right. Makes perfect sense, man. Now, Jared, the A stands for attitude, and you you work with you do one on one coaching. Um, you you speak to large groups. You work with um, companies and organizations, and so you've experienced a lot, and you've seen a lot, and you've heard a lot of stories from a lot of men. If there is an attitude in that you could change in men specifically, on the men that you've seen when it comes around to this dealing with this, what would be the attitude in their hearts that you would change? Oh, this one's tough. Um, I'm very much in, under the belief that every person's an individual. And even so much as like when people say, what's the perfect diet to eat for maximum performance? I was like, we got to test your body. We got to test your blood. We got to test your stool sample. We got to test your saliva. Like I need to know who you are, where you're from, what's your genetic background. And, and so we can customize exactly what's going to help your body prepare to be at its absolute best every day. And, and so to give a blanket statement for all men, I have a friend who recently wrote a book that says men need to take off their mask and embrace their vulnerability. And my thought was some of them. 
some of them need to get punched in the face and toughen up. <laughs> and I was like, it just depends on where you're from and what you've done. I grew up in Southern California. A lot of these guys need to punch in the face and toughen up. He grew up in Ohio playing football. I'm like, okay, yeah, they need to take their mask off and learn how to cry a little. I get it. Uh, and not just over a lost game. Like they need to be in more in touch with their emotions. And, and so, you know, for all men, I think we're individuals. I, I, I think it, the thing that I would do is, open up your own heart, listen clearly to who you really are, have some real true feedback. We do this in companies, which is a, a 360 leadership uh, review, meaning sit down, ask someone who you believe is five steps ahead of you in life, how you're doing, who you are and what you're all about. Ask someone who's in the exact same moment of life, how you're doing, who you are and what you're all about. And ask someone who's a stage or two or a step or two behind you in life, how you're doing, who you are and what you're all about. Get real feedback from people that you trust around you on all angles so you can get a proper understanding of who you really are. So at that point, you can make real decisions of where you need to improve as a, as a human and as a man. You know, and as simple as that sounds, we know for men, that's a, for a lot of men, that's hard to do to get some honest feedback because we'll be we're afraid of, quote, what we consider criticism when it's really about helping us become better and correcting um bad behaviors or bad habits. But I love that. That's a great that's a great piece of advice. Now, Jared, the N stands for next and you're doing a lot of things. You're into a lot of things. But if I want you right now for you to kind of take the lid off a little bit, the N stands for next what will be the next big thing that you would do that would put a smile on God's face. If you could do anything right now without word about failure, what would you be the next big thing you would do for God? Sure. It's a it's a project we're rolling out right now. And, and, you know, we started off working with just individuals on how to be happy, healthy, strong, and fulfilled, the most resilient version of themselves. We got into business growth, showing people how to grow their businesses. And, and then when I stepped back and I asked myself a question, what's the real purpose of business right now? And I said, there's really three purposes. Number one, to deliver more value to the community around you than anyone else is doing in, in, in your sector or, or, or your line of business. You got to add value to the community around. Number two, make revenue and profit to be able to take care of your family and loved ones, put food on the table, take care of the ones you love, and allow your team to do the same and take care of their community as well. And I said, number three, and I thought deeply about this, and I said, I think this is missing, and I think this will align with the deeper element in, in the world of what's needed, which is to create a place that if someone were to work there for 30, 40 years of their life, they would look back and say, thank God for this opportunity because I wouldn't be the human I am if I didn't find this job, if I didn't find this partnership, if I didn't find this career. Because this organization helped craft me into a happier, healthier, stronger, and more fulfilled human. It gave me space to do God's work, to show up, to, to listen and learn, to be a part of the community, to give back, to take care of the people around me. It, it allowed the environment allow this person to thrive as a human being. And I don't. I think most companies aren't set up like that nowadays. And, and so the next big thing we're working on is how do we help cu cultivate and craft that company culture to create spaces where when someone works there for 30 years, they come out the other side as literally a better human being than when they started. You know, and that reminds me of the great um, um, John Wooden. When you see his players now, when, you know, as old, you know, they're older now and over 40, 50, 60 years old. And what they say is that he taught us more than the game of basketball. That's right. And they are better people. They said we're better human beings because we knew this man. He created that culture on his team that you're talking about. I think that's a great that's a great goal to, um, to go after. Now, the U stands for understand. And when you were younger, what was the one thing you didn't understand about being a man, Jared, that you understand better now today? Oof. 
Um, so my dad and I took a trip. We were in, I think we were in Tanzania or Kenya. And we went and visited a tribe there, the Maasai tribe. And they're a migrational tribe. They, they ha- they're cow farmers and they, they move where the grass is so their cows can breed, uh, graze and do all that stuff. And the way that the village is set up is there's a little circle in the middle. That's where the cows go at night. There's a big circle, a thicket fence around it. And the women and children sleep inside the fence, just outside the cows and little huts they make. And then there's a big thicket fence with thorns and stuff. And then the men sleep on the ground outside. And I was like, wait a minute. How come they sleep on the ground outside? <laughs> that doesn't seem fair. Like, why are they out there? And they said, oh, because they have to protect against the lions all night. I was wow. like, oh, boy. Lions? <laughs> so they got gun- guns and, like, spotlights and stuff? And, like, no, they have a spear. Oh, I was like, oh, boy. This is, like, still today, this is how it works? And they're like, yep. I was like, wow, seriously? And, and and since then, I've seen a TED Talk where this kid created technology to fend off the lions. But it's still happening that way in parts of the world. And, and you know, as they told me the story where the, the young man came out. His dad is the village leader, and he's the next in line. And he says, you know, something that happens for, for boys to become men. And there's a phrase I remember, which is, the boy must die for the man to live. And I, I think a boy is a representation of taking, getting getting what you want, taking what you want, having what you want. It's all about you and it's all about getting. Versus a man is, is about really providing and loving and caring and protecting. And, and when I look at that transition, one thing I didn't know as, as a young boy was how to transition into a man because it doesn't exist here in, in the U.S. right now. There's, there's no ritual that exists culturally that allows us to transition. And so when I was in that village and we were talking to the people there, they told me, they said, you know, at 13 years old, Here's how it works. When a boy turns 13, all the other men paint their faces, dress up, look real scary, and at two in the morning, rip him out of his hut, throw a sack over his head, tie him up, and drag him out in the middle of forest. 13 years old. Like, well, that doesn't sound cool. And, and they, you know, they take the thing off him and they untie him and he looks around and thought he was going to die and it's his uncle and his brother and his cousin and his dad. And he goes, oh my God, thank, thank goodness. And then what happens is they, they say, hey, here's, here's, your, here's your task. For the next 12 months, 12 months at 13 years old, you're going to spend the entire time out here by yourself. You're going to learn how to protect yourself and how to provide for yourself. We're going to need you to master those two things before you come back to the village. The final test, you have to kill a lion by hand and bring it home. Holy crap. (laughs) When you come home, we'll now consider you to be a man. You will be given a new name and will never refer to the boy that once existed. You will now be a man. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Why is it that way? Like, do some die? They said every now and then, but most make it. <laughs> every now and then. <laughs> and I, I said, what about the ones who didn't? And they said, well, what would be their function in the village if they didn't know how to protect and provide? If they can't sleep outside the fence and fend off the lions, we're, no, there's, there's no use for them to be here. If they, if they can't go out and, and, and get food and bring it back to help feed people, why, why are they here? Now, there's an element of tradition that exists here of that's how things used to be. I, I realize things are changing, but at the same time, and now I can open up this phrase because of the woman's movement and say, whether it's a man or a woman, really figuring out what does it take to transition from a boy to a man, from a girl to a woman. And, and that way, as you transition, you learn who you are in society from that day forward. You learn what your true roles and responsibilities are, and you make a choice to step up and deliver from that day forward, and you let that other side of you go. You let the side that was here to take and get and be selfish, you let it go, 
You say, you know what? That, that's, that's the old me. That's the, the boy or girl that used to exist here. I'm choosing to be the man or woman that now needs to show up and deliver for society, for my family, for the ones that I love. Wow. Wow. Well said, Jerry. That is awesome. That That is amazing. And you know, yeah, we're missing those rites of passages now from boys to manhood and even from girls to womanhood. And so they're, they're necessary. That That's great. What a great picture you painted for us. Um, powerful, powerful. Now, here's the last one. The letter stands, it's the P stands for problem. And as a, a mighty man of God that you are, Jarek, um, what do you still struggle with as a man, even today, with all the enlightenment and the, <laughs> and the success you've achieved, what you've learned, what do you still struggle with today? Um, just little stuff. My wife and I were talking about this earlier. Uh, you can want something so bad for someone else. You can want it more than they want it for themselves. No, no, ain't that and and I, I, I think the struggle is seeing what's possible for someone, knowing what they're capable of, but having to stand back and love them from a distance to allow them to learn the lessons that God is trying to give to them in the moment. You can't help, you can't help someone skip a step. They got to go through it. And, and so right now, you know, my mom, she had six strokes in the last 12 months and, and she, her health is struggling immensely. And we, we've helped provide for her some of the best people, advisors, technology, information, everything she needs. And, and she still chooses to do things that, that don't help. And, and that's a struggle to watch that, to see that. Um, and, and to know, she knows she could choose better. Like she's on a diet that says no fruit. She had fruit yesterday. And then we replayed the doctor telling her no fruit. And, and we said, hey, what happened? I thought we were doing the, the no fruit diet. And she just started laughing and goes, I know, but it just tasted good and it felt better. And, and we're like, I know it's funny, but like, literally you're killing yourself. <laughs> like that, that's a struggle for me. It, it, it's something that, that's hard on the heart just because you know that there's a possibility to turn things around. But the only way to turn things around is they got to be on board. Wow. And, you know, Jared, you're speaking directly to my heart, too, as as I sit in the position of being a, a leader of men and a builder of men. I see it all the time. And you're right. And that's a problem I struggle with, too, is it's having the patience to wait on God and say, God, um, we can't help them skip the step. They have to do so. They have to do their own push ups. We can't do the push-ups for them. They got to do it themselves. But, Jerry, you did a, a wonderful job, man, and I know you need to get out of here. Um, and we've reached the end of our show. But, Jerry, if they wanted to find out more about what you do, uh, the work you've been doing with um, individuals as well as companies and, and businesses and organizations, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, I mean, you can go to my website. Most people are going to mess up my name unless it's in the show notes. Go <laughs> to the show form. notes and click the link. Uh, but it's J-A-I-R-E-K. So J for joy, A-I-R to remember to breathe, E for earth, K for king. That's how my mom taught me as a little kid because there was no license plates or keychains. <laughs> right on so Robbins, dot com. Um, if, if, if you mess it up, just go to Google, type in as best you can. It'll find, find me for you. Uh, and, and come find me on Instagram, find me on my website, reach out. We'd be happy to help you any way we can. Jared, thank you so much for being so gracious with your time, man. I really appreciate it, man. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for everyone tuning in and listening. And guys, thank you guys for listening. And please do us a favor. This is so important. Take about 30 seconds to go over to iTunes and rate the program for us. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. And please don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. So until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be. 
because a male is a terrible, terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed. And as always, you know, stay in God's grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Real Men Connect is a listener-supported podcast, and we're now the number one radio podcast on iTunes for Christian men. If this podcast has blessed you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to bless and transform the lives of even more husbands, fathers, sons, and leaders, please prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. Just go to realmenconnect.com and click on the donate button. And may God bless your faithful giving.